as it kept hammering home, hey, your, your results will be even better when you give a little bit more attention and thought and an intention to the people part of the job. You may be getting good results now, but you're running people off, you're burning people out, but ultimately the results that are so important will be even better if you put more into the people part of the culture. And so I think that's what sort of gave him the light bulb moments. He had to speak their language. And so for him, it was all about results. It didn't matter anything about people, but he came around at the end. I was like, wow, I have some work to do. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. I am really glad that you're here. Listen, while you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask three favors, please. The first is please subscribe to the show. Number two, please share the show with just one other person. And three, go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I have Jason Mucci with me. Jason, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? I am a leadership development and team building facilitator, and I also do a fair amount of coaching around uh, early career leaders and emotional intelligence. I'm a certified emotional intelligence coach, and most of my work right now revolves around various workshops on, on DISC, and then I do some team building workshops as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited to be here. I'm a big fan of your work, and I know you have a lot of the same intentions that I do in my work, and so this is going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, absolutely. A couple, a couple of like-minded individuals uh, here today. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, Jason, let's get started with a philosophical question. And, and right. that is, what is your philosophy of management and leadership development? Oh, you started with an easy one, huh? Yeah, absolutely. They get, yeah. they get, okay. they get harder from here. My philosophy, well, there's no one right way to do this, but my personal philosophy is that everything else is made possible all, the, all those tasks and goals and things that you have to go after as a manager and make sure your team gets to them, all those things become a lot more achievable and a lot more possible when you focus on relationships first. It's all about connecting with the people and creating the environment in which they can flourish because they can be their full best selves. And so uh, a lot of my work, my, my company is called Leadership ROI Consulting, and the ROI stands for Return on Intention. And that's because so much of what I think makes for a really effective people manager is being intentional about building their relationships and getting to know your people on a holistic basis beyond just the roles that they play, but really who they are. Um, and once you do that, um, once you know what they care about, once you once you have a connection with them, once you know how they love to contribute, how they excel, uh, what they excel at contributing, contributing, then everything else is possible. Those tasks, those goals, those achievements, those milestones you all have to hit as a team, the results that you have to get that are so important, those become a lot more attainable and sustainable when you have those foundational relationship elements already in place. Yeah, absolutely. And I just read an HBR article this morning talking about how it's not only important to get to know individuals, but you need to get to know the team as a corporate body. You know, whether your team is two people or 20, you yeah. need to, to be able to deal with the team as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, a lot of the disc work I do right now is really, it's it's working with teams. We do an entire separate afternoon on how disc style, how everybody's style on the uh, on the team comes into play, how they interact with each other um, because of this exact thing, what you just talked about. You have to know your, your individuals and then how those individuals, how they come together and where there might be an overabundance of strength in one area and then some real blind spots in other areas and, and being aware of those. Awesome. Great. Thank you. 
Yeah. Well, why do you value management development and leadership development? What does it do for your clients? Well, you know, for my clients, it creates, uh, I think, a, a higher performing, more enjoyable workplace because people can come to work with a real sense of purpose and a real sense of belonging and inclusion because uh, they feel invested in as a human being. They feel, in, they feel cared for. And it just creates for a happier environment that people actually want to not only stay and work, but to really do and give their best for. That's what I do for my clients. But I, why, why I love to do this work, ultimately my higher purpose in all this is, is really to create a better world by creating better leaders. And, and what I mean by that is we spend so much of our time at work that if we have a bad experience at work because we have bad leaders, that's going to trickle out into how we live the rest of our lives, how we go home at the end of the day. I mean, I want people to go home at the end of their day feeling better or not broken because of the leadership that they have. And so people can go home feeling fulfilled and inspired instead of broken and, and unseen, then they're going to have a much better home life. They're going to be happier in their community and their families and their relationships and just ultimately creates a better world. I completely agree. Yeah. How we experience work has a direct impact on how we experience life. Yeah. And, and this is this is why we've been friends for, what, three years now? Yeah. It's because we have such a similar outlook on, on management development and leadership development. Well, how do you approach management development in your company? Well, my, my company, when I'm doing uh, my own sort of model of work, I, I, mm-hmm. I call that my leadership prelude. Because like I said, it's a prelude to everything else that you need to do. There's more tactical, task-oriented, goal-oriented things. And I base it on these three Cs. And these are not original concepts, but I've just put them together in what I think tends to work in, around care connection and contribution. And like I said, that that's um, really getting to know your people on an individual holistic basis, knowing what they care about, making them feel cared for, and then building a connection with them as, as leader to employee, building connection between employees, and then really building connection from that team, the collective team to the organizational purpose. And then really where you get to the top of this, the pinnacle is really giving everybody a sense of meaningful contribution in their work because they're empowered and encouraged to bring the best of what they do and the best of who they are to to their work. And ultimately, so those are the foundational things. And then once you have those in place, then those more tactical, goal-specific, role-specific, results-specific things become a lot more achievable, in my opinion, because people have a, a sense of purpose and belonging and meaning in what, in what they do and who they do it with every single day. Nice. So yeah. the three C's. The three C's, care, connection, and contribution. Ultimately, I want, I want everybody, you know, in, in my, uh, my higher purpose mind of, of all this, I, I want everybody to be able to go home at the end of their day feeling like who they are and what they do matters to their teammates, to their company, but also just to themselves. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. I think this is going to seem like kind of a redundant question. I think I know the answer to this one, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you have any favorite tools or models? Well, right right now, I have to say, just because I think this is probably recency bias or intensity bias, because I've been my entire um, last 30 days has been filled almost entirely around the version of DISC that I do through take, a company called Take Flight Learning. And so they take all the same you know, science and research and things that a lot of companies are familiar with, with the everything DISC model that I know you are so uh, gifted at teaching and facilitating yourself. The, the metaphor of these four bird styles. So the D becomes an eagle, the I becomes a parrot, the S becomes a dove, the C becomes an owl. And so I've been all over North America in the last 30 days or so, working with every level of leader, every type of company you can imagine. It never fails to have 
really like you can you can physically see the light bulbs going on on leaders faces you can really see them connecting the dots um, and they have a lot of fun doing it and they go away being able to speak what i say you know they speak four different languages uh, of each disc style and i just i see people having so much fun i see the learning sticking and, and I certainly have fun facilitating it. So right now I would have to go with that, but that may be recency bias because that's been most of my work lately. That's kind of where I thought you were going to head was, was yeah. DISC. And, and I agree, DISC is a fantastic model. There are more recent, tastier things out there, depending on, on you know, your point of view. Clifton Strengths is, is oh, big these days, yeah, but I really, I really like DISC. And when I started my own consultancy, it was the first thing I got certified in was, was yeah, DISC. Yeah, and with good reason. I, I love Clifton Strengths too. That, that's sort of on the, one of the, uh, the bucket list of certifications I would love to have because I think Clifton Strengths is a really valuable tool as well. It's a little more complex than, than DISC because you're having to think about 34 different strengths, but I do think mm-hmm. it's a really valuable thing. You know, I think DISC really gets at the best of who you are and, and Clifton Strengths gets at the best of what you do. There's absolutely, I think, some significant overlap. But um, I also am a big fan of, of Patrick Lencioni's new model, uh, six, uh, The Working Genius, uh, The Six Working Geniuses, which is really great. And then a, another thing I would just like to mention for those of folks who are in this line of work, a company called Leader Factor that does really, really great certification in psychological safety and the four stages of building psychological safety on teams. I mean, as you and I both are really, we are really focused on building uh, inclusion on teams and psychological safety. And so I would love to get that one as well. But as far as the ones that I am actually using right now, certainly the taking flight with DISC uh, curriculum is is, is uh, having a lot of huge success with clients. That's great. I'm glad, you know, it's, it's nice to hear a fellow consultant is really busy. So yeah. I'm glad for you. That's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's been an, an abundant 2023 so far. Yeah, good. Well, here's to 2023. Yeah. May it be a lot better than 2022. (laughs) Let's hope so, yeah. Yeah, we should look for something later in the year and go get certified in Clifton Strengths together. That'd be fun. Yeah, that's a big one. It's it's expensive and pricey and and lengthy, but gosh, what a great tool it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, where do you think the management development space needs to go to evolve and help companies achieve more? You know what I've been seeing with my clients and, and you know, uh, some of these folks I've been working with are small to medium sized company, but I also work with several global companies uh, that are, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of employees across different sectors. And what I am encouraged to see, and I think you should be too, because you have the same heart for this uh, demographic as I do. But what I am seeing more and more of is companies that are doing leadership development, not just for C-suite and senior leaders and executives, but what I've been working on a lot is um, with supervisors and managers, first-time people leaders. Um, And I've been really, really pleasantly surprised at the variety and the scope and the scale of companies that I have been doing leadership development work for that are really bringing this to the first-time people leaders, those people who are on the front line, because so often, you know, we don't get... You know, I think there's a, like there's actually some some data out there that suggests you know most people get their first people leadership role right around the age of 30 or so, but they don't get their first leadership training until they're in their 40s. So there's a real gap there. And what I'm seeing, at least with the clients I've been working with, is a pretty broad commitment to getting first time people leaders, like I said, supervisors and, and managers, real leadership training, um, stuff that's right in line with with what you're bringing to the world with all of your great work that's geared in a, in a lot of ways to that group. So I'm encouraged to see that. 
That is wonderful. That is music to my ears. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I have a real heart for new managers. I've, I've been a new manager and screwed it up. I've been, I've been managed badly by new managers. And so that that's music to my ears. So, yeah. And you know, and there's that adage about, you know, leadership is so much or is, is as much caught as it is taught. And so if, if our new leaders are learning f- from bad leaders, they're just going to be bad leaders. And so um, the more we can get the training that you're doing, that I'm doing uh, into the hearts and minds of new leaders, we can start to break that cycle and create a, a, a new generation of leaders that are doing this in the right way. And so then the people that they go on to lead, you know, it can, it can start to sort of snowball from there. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. My next question is, what are some of the management development issues you'd love to be solved? Mm, management development issues. That's a good one. I, I think, and I don't know if I would call this a management development issue, but I know, and you know as well, you know, there's, you know, by definition, but you, you can just even look at our, our disk orientation. Um, there's a half of the population out there that don't value relationships as much as the other half, you know, the other two styles. And so I think... What I'm starting to see and, and sense, and it, but it's, we're still a long way to go. I, I know I have a client coming up this week where one of the co-founders of the company, and I had this a couple of weeks ago in Toronto as well, one of the co-founders um, just did not believe in the need for people skills. They're not seeing the value in that. And so if there's an issue I would like to sort of solve. It's, it's to bring more awareness to senior level folks, the decision makers who are you know spending the money, paying the paying the. Uh, to have a facilitator come in, paying for the L&D budget, whatever it might be, to realize, yes, people skill training is not a nice to have. It is a must have. And so the more awareness we can bring to that, I think the better off companies will be. Absolutely. There are so many articles and books these days on the need for what what folks would call the soft skills, yeah. emotional intelligence, EQ, yeah. psychological safety. There's just, there's been so much written about it and in really respectable outlets like HBR and Forbes. Yeah. And Google, you know, Google's Project Aristotle, which yeah. looked at, you know, the, the traits of the most successful teams in the world came back number one factor is psychological safety. And so there's, there's no shortage of data now to support the fact that the soft skills, the people skills, some people even call them power skills are what really can make the difference in this day and age. And the more we can get the, the real decision makers to, to buy into that. Yeah, and you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, they, those those senior leaders are coming from, they're the older generation, so they have a little bit more of an old school thinking that it's a command and control leadership model works, but that doesn't really doesn't really work. Uh, it's not sustainable. I was doing this workshop in, in Toronto, a DISC workshop uh, two weeks ago, I guess it was, and one of the co-founders came in there, really, really hardcore, that you have to really just, um, I'll just, I'll, I'll general it, I'll say you have to really be hard on your people to drive results. You have to really push them. In, in ways that were clearly backfiring. And he was pretty proud of that. He showed up and was pretty hardcore about you have to be really, really, really sort of assertive with your people and how you manage them. And he was really, uh, that was, it was his way or, or, or no way, basically. And it, but by, over the course of the six hours, I could start to see, I was really, really impressed with him. He was humble enough to realize at the end, he said, I don't like, uh, we, were, we were sharing and we were reflecting about things we wanted to commit to. And he said, I don't want to talk about my strengths, but I do want to talk about the things I want to commit to um, around a lot of the weaknesses that I have learned about myself today. Uh, And so the light bulbs are going off for him that you have to put a little bit into the people side. It's not a matter of, you know, results or people. It's a matter of both. Mm. It's not either or, it's both and. And hopefully we can get more awakenings uh, like that through the training that you and I are doing. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And the more, like I said, you know, all these, for those leaders who are out there, and again, they're about half of the population, just based on what we know about disc styles, who think oh, it's all about results. Ultimately, it is. But the point I always, and what got me to, I think that got me through to this individual was that I kept hammering home, hey, your, your results will be even better when you focus on it, when you give a little bit more attention and thought and an intention to the people part of the job. You may be getting good results now, but you're burning people off, you're burning people out. But ultimately, the results that are so important will be even better if you put more into the people part of the culture. And so I think that's what sort of gave him the light bulb moments. You have to speak their language. And so for him, it was all about results. Didn't matter anything about people. But he came around at the end. I was like, wow, I have some work to do. And it was because he realized it's, it's not one or the other. You can get better at results by getting better at the people part. I wonder, just out of curiosity, did you happen to cite any studies or, or use any quantitative metrics to make your point with him? I didn't, not, not specifically. I certainly have a, my own personal data bank of that stuff that I use in some of my other team building things, but I, I didn't use that with him. I mean, I, I did cite, you know, things like Project Aristotle and those things, but I didn't get into any specifics, but I, you know, I encourage him to go look because it's certainly out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well done. Good work. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a, that was a fun session because it was, we got into some real team coaching stuff that was beyond the scope of what we had planned to get into, but it was fun. Good. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, do you have a product or service you'd like to plug? The thing that I'm doing mostly these days, in addition to all the, the disc workshops, and I do those around just the basics of disc. I do one on emotional intelligence and in disc. I do one on, uh, I even did one on, I do one on sales now. <laughs> And I do one on leadership uh, in DISC. So I, I do those things. But what I really love doing is, is some of the team building workshops where I get teams, uh, intact teams in a room and take them through about three and a half, three to three and a half hours of real connection building. This is not like team bonding. And there's a place and a value to those things where you just go out and you have fun together. Absolutely valuable. What we really do is, is get teams more connected on a real human level. So they're a lot more invested in each other's success. I mean, they, and they know each other's sort of personal desires and strengths and weaknesses, and they, they just feel a lot more connected and invested in each other through those three C's, care, connection, and contribution. And so I've been doing some team building workshops around that, which have been really, really meaningful. You know, this may not be for everyone, but, you know, a lot of times people end up a little bit emotional because they don't realize how they are seen by their teammates, like how they're appreciated. That's because a part of those workshops is around recognition and appreciation on a whole new level, not just about sort of what you do, but really about who you are and how you show up for people. And so I, I, I sort of parsed that out into what I call a recognition expedition. And so that's sort of like an hour long thing where a, a team can get together. Um, I give them some prompts to think about, some sort of superhero names to think about before they get into a room together spurs their thinking to start thinking about the ways that their teammates make a difference to them in, in the ways that often go unsaid in the workplace. And so we get in there, we have some fun, we bond, we connect, but they, I, I create the space for them to recognize and appreciate each other in ways that they have never done. And it gets emotional in all the best ways every single time. And so those have been really gratifying to do. All right. And if folks want to contact you to learn more about your offerings, how can they do that? Yeah, I think the best there's the best ways right now is just to email me at jason at roiofleaders.com, jason at roiofleaders.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Jason Meucci, M-E-U-C-C-I. Perfect. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Moving on to the speed round. This is where listeners get a chance to, to get to learn a little bit more about you. 
My first question here is, if you could interview anyone sitting in my seat, who would it be and why? Anyone, living or dead? Oh. Well, if it's living or dead, um, I would have to go with my hero who was standing, uh, staring at me from this wall in front of me, uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Why? Because he, uh, obviously, he was a, a great leader, but I, he was just such an adventurer, an adventurous spirit and a curious soul. And I think, you know, curiosity is such a big part of being an effective leader anyway. But yeah, he was just, you know, he was really, really adventurous. He did a, a lot to stand up for the common man. And uh, I just love his adventurous explorer spirit in addition to his, his um, leadership as a president. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Second question, what's your favorite vacation spot and why? Oh. <sighs> It's hard to name my favorite. I will say my favorite thing to do on vacation is to go to a national park. You know, if I'm keeping it in the in the U.S. or in North America, I love going to America's national park system. And so, the more you know, I know it, I, I'm a, I'm an amateur compared to you because you I know you do the hardcore stuff. You're out there backpacking, overnighting, camping. I enjoy a nice long day hike and and you know getting out into the wilderness. I don't do it as hardcore as you, but gosh. I don't have to tell you how much the world and the stress just melt away when you're out in these these open spaces uh, of peace and quiet and wilderness and uh, alone with maybe some wildlife. It'll stir your soul. It will. Yeah, I agree. I have to admit, my family and I are getting a little soft in our old age. Yeah. We're starting. To, we're starting to look for cabins rather than tents. Oh, you are a softy. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, next thing you know, you're going to be like me and be looking for nearby luxury hotels. Oh dear. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, to me. Camping is still the gold standard, but but we've learned through a few years in Washington that tent camping season here is pretty short. Yeah, unless you like yeah. being wet. Yeah, unless you're really hardcore. Yeah. yeah so we've we've started to, to use cabins instead, and, and you know by by cabins I don't mean lodges. I don't mean these massive yeah. places. Yeah. I mean cabins. Rustic. You know, like little, yeah. little itty bitty rustic places with a hot plate and and a yeah. tiny little fridge and and a bunk bed, and you're set. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. There's yep. something to, to, to the beauty to of that simplicity that is appealing. Yeah, I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Well, related. Where would you most like to travel aside from national parks? Yeah. Let's see. I just did Norway a couple of months ago, so that was a big bucket list item checked off. But I think right now the biggest thing on my uh, I need to hit South America. I've not been to South America yet, and so um, specifically, I would like to go to Patagonia, down at the very southern tip there. And, you know, ideally I could jump off from there and go to Antarctica. I, ha I have a friend of mine from my prior life who, who just did that with her family. And I'm so, so jealous. They did a whole tour of, of South America and then went down to Antarctica for a couple of weeks. And gosh, what an adventure that must have been. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Well, while you're down there, visit Buenos Aires. That's a, yeah. that's a nice city. That's like the Europe like of South to. America. It's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I need to get, I'm ashamed that I've not been to South America yet. Yeah, I've been to Buenos Aires and Sao Paulo, nice. and that was my first experience. Sao Paulo was my first experience of of seeing a slum, a, a favela. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, as yeah. as a white middle class American male, I had never seen a slum. It's a way, and so yeah, it's an my my commute back and forth to work from the hotel was right past a favela, and it was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll humble you oh. for sure. I've seen poverty like that. You know, I haven't seen that. I, I have been to Nicaragua and saw, you know, some pretty extreme poverty there. And it, it does, it, it really does humble you. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've been to India. And oh, that's, a, that's a whole nother yeah. level. So I, I want to take my kids to see these places, you know, and, and have them understand just how good they've got it. 
and yeah. you know have them be thinking about okay you know let's go see the world and let's be thinking about how we can help other people because we're pretty darn fortunate yeah yeah all right last question what brings you the most joy in your life gosh depending on how i want to define or think about joy i think in, in general in the world i i really get moved by seeing authentic acts of of kindness especially random kindness uh, i love that stuff I can never get enough of that. More selfishly, I think what gives me joy is I have been fortunate enough to, to manage and mentor dozens and dozens of, of people over the last 20 something years. And what brings me joy is that I still hear from so many of them on a very regular basis. Usually it's just friendly, you know, conversations because uh, they're all growing up now, as we say. But but sometimes they'll come to me with like, hey, because they're people leaders now, too, in, in a lot of cases. And so they'll come to me asking for advice, you know, or having a mentoring conversation. And um, and it, to have them still to, to, to still have those relationships really, really gives me a lot of joy because that's sort of the purpose of my work. And so that that gives me a lot of joy for sure is to, to still have those relationships and to still have all those folks coming coming to me for for either friendly or, or mentoring conversations. Well, it makes perfect sense that people would come to you in in our roles. So, so for those who don't know, Jason and I worked together as volunteers at the Association for Talent Development, the Puget Sound chapter. And Jason was my quote volunteer boss. <laughs> and now I've taken his role, and now I'm the director of membership experience. And so I will be going back to Jason as well. So, oh. yep. <laughs> yeah. just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun role, and you are certainly well-suited for it. Your ability to get things done is going to serve the chapter well. Well, thank you. Well, Jason, thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed our chat. I'm sorry that it's over already. How can people find you again? Yeah, just uh, email me at jason at ROI of leaders. Remember that ROI is return on intention. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, Jason, M-E-U-C-C-I. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Eric Gerard on LinkedIn, and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com. 